Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And on this very special bonus episode of Cinemodities, I want to start by saying I'm impressed that I could get Zach to sit down and record an intro like that. Because I can tell you, peek behind the curtains, Zach has been non-stop dying to talk about what we're talking about today. I think he's spritzing me with the spray bottle right now like he wants to talk about it. It's, it's Animal Collective's second visual album, Zach. I, I, I know you're excited. How excited are you? I'm so excited I'm spritzing the battery acid in my mouth. It's like a fountain. It's like a chocolate fountain but it's replaced with battery acid that's how much excitement he is having right now and oh i i just had to indulge him right you know i'm not i'm not too excited to talk about animal collective to talk about visual albums zach is really the one who pushed this bonus episode is that fair to say zach i am odd zach he is he is odd zach i that watching odd zach that first time changed his life he hasn't listened to early 2000s pop since then He's only listening to things like Tangerine Reef, which is what we're discussing today. So I guess I should start right off the bat. Zach, what's your favorite song from Tangerine Reef? My favorite part is when we see the something in the ocean turn colors. That's my favorite song. <laughs> yes, good. That's a good answer, Zach. That's the whole album. Oh, okay. So I guess to make it a little more serious, uh, Zach hates me. Uh, but I love Animal Collective. Now, should I jump right into it, Zach? I have a lot to say. I think Zach is well aware or accepting that he's going to take a little bit of a backseat to the the structure I have for this episode. Can I just jump right into it, Zach? Or is there anything you want to get out, out in front of all the nonsense I have to say about Animal Collective, Coral Reefs, music that combines those two? Is there anything that you want to say at the start? Too many reefs, not enough tangerines. Hmm. Mm. Okay, that's fair. I would say it was 100% reefs, 0% tangerines, so that's fair. So we're on the same page then? Yeah, we are on the same page, but I, I don't think that's a negative. Do you think that's a negative? No, but I do need my my daily dose of citrus, but unfortunately oh, I can't get that? it from this visual album. <laughs> All right, so I am so excited, the truly, truly the one to be excited, to talk about Animal Collective's second visual album. What a time to be alive that Zach and I start this podcast in 2018. We get to talk about Animal Collective's Odd Sack, their first visual album. And in the same year, we get to talk about their second, which came out in 2018. It's their 11th album overall. We'll get into tons of facts about it and all those things. But I am so happy to have the honor to actually talk about Animal Collective in a musical and a video sense in twice in the same year that's great i think this is everything zach was trying to avoid when he started this podcast with me (laughs) something like that so oh man i have so much to say i figured i should start with the background of what this do you hear that (laughs) someone's fucking calling me right now and i didn't turn my speaker off what a what a time to be alive (laughs) this is staying in 
Okay, I'm sorry, everybody. I left my speaker on. staying in the recording. And my speaker tells me who's calling me. I, they called me earlier today. They're trying to gonna. They want to know who I'm gonna vote for. Like I'm gonna say that over the phone. <laughs> Little does he know, folks. I'm calling all the way to, to throw him off balance. Zach is keeping me on my toes right here. Okay, let's let's frame this. What is this second visual album? It's not just Animal Collective. The first visual album, Odsack, was very much their music, and they had a very large hand in the visuals. Of course, they worked with Danny Perez on Odsack, who is not a member, but a uh, visual designer. This is something very different. Tangerine Reef is a combination of Animal Collective's music and a visual group that specifically works in coral reefs and marine biology called Coral Morphologic. So these two groups, I love this. When I was doing my research, the first thing I asked myself was, what was the inception of this visual album? What was the inception of such an idea for these two groups to work each other, work with each other? And guess what I found out, Zach? Animal Collective and Coral Morphologic first met in 2010 at the first screening of Oddsack. How cool is that? That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> so in 2010, their first visual album came out. Coral Morphologic and Animal Collective met up, and the, in, the idea for this visual album was born. They started working together in a very collaborative way. It, it wasn't like Oddsack, where Animal Collective had music, they gave it to Danny Perez to create the visuals, and then they all worked on filming it together. That was a very sequential process. Animal Collective and Coral Morphologic for this album were very, very cohesive. It's like they were working together the entire way through. There's no point, I would say, that the video is created solely for the audio, or the audio is solely created for the video, these two things are actually intended to blend together. And we're going to talk about that when we get into our track-by-track track breakdown, Zach, of course. Oh but my God. that's our history. That's how they met, at least. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention that last year, in 2017, the lead singer of Animal Collective released his third solo album. It was called Eucalyptus by A.V. Tear. Of course, if you remember from our Odd Sack episode, Zach, the lead singer, Dave Portner, uh, his stage name is A.V. Tear. And his solo album, Eucalyptus, had a song called Coral Lords. And it was actually a collaborative effort, the first collaborative song between Animal Collective, a member of them at least, and Coral Morphologic. It's one of my favorite songs on that album, Eucalyptus. It's basically 11 minutes of people talking about coral. It's great. The Mother Nature has you coated with this stuff. And then they finally came together to come up with this album, Tangerine Reef. And now here, in the history of Tangerine Reef, here's something I want to pitch to Zach. I don't know if Zach knows this. Zach, do you know 
when the first time Animal Collective premiered this music. It was in a live venue. It was at a certain music festival. They played this album in its entirety. Did you do any research to know when that was or what festival that occurred at? Uh, International Year of the Reef. So we'll get to that. But oh. I think I think I think much much more interesting to Zach, Animal Collective first performed this album live at David Lynch's Festival Dis- Festival of Disruption in Brooklyn, New York, earlier this year in 2018. I believe it was uh, mid to late May. If you watch the credits of Tangerine Reef, the David Lynch Foundation is actually in the special thanks section. Oh. Yeah, so Animal Collective was one of the bands to play at David Lynch's Festival of Disruption in New York this year. He has one in L.A., one in New York. The one in New York, Animal Collective played one set, and it was this album, Tangerine Reef, the whole way through. It was the first time anybody had ever heard this music. Now, very interestingly enough, Animal Collective had thought, they said, we're going to play this at David Lynch's music festival, and we're going to record it and release it as a live album. That was supposed to be the audio for Tangerine Reef. But according to their interviews, the David Lynch Festival audio was unusable for a variety of reasons. Apparently they did not mix it correctly. There was a lot of crowd noise. Um, It did not come across the way Animal Collective wanted it. So that sits in a vault somewhere of Animal Collective now. They're recording at the David Lynch Music Festival. What they did was they got back together with Coral Morphologic, They went to a studio in Baltimore, where Animal Collective is from originally, and they recorded the tracks that we hear on the Tangerine Reef that Zach and I watched today. It officially came out on August 17th, 2018, uh, over two months from when we're recording this, and the reason for that is I did not want to record an episode about Animal Collective's music that I did not have a sufficient amount of time to think about. Did that capture the history of this album and why we're talking about it now well enough, Zach? Do you have any questions? I couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah, so Zach learned some stuff. David Lynch and Animal Collective have a have a tie together. Hopefully Zach likes them a little bit more. Maybe if we can d- get David Lynch to direct the, um, what, what, do, what do you call it, Zach? The day shift zombie scene in yes. Odd That would be yes. great, right? <laughs> so that is the history of of this album. And I guess the only thing I would have to add to that, which blends into why we're talking about it this year, which is something I very much wanted to do, 2018 is the International Year of the Reef, as Zach said. So this album is meant to promote, just as Coral Morphologic, their group mission uh, is to promote the awareness of our ocean life, our reefs, our marine biology, and to Spread the idea that we need to protect them. I I don't think a lot of people know this about me. I don't know if Zach knows this about me. But this is actually one of the causes I get behind. When I graduated my undergrad and I realized I didn't want to sit behind a cubicle and, and, you know, figure out how much people's lives were worth in life insurance, there was a really big decision for me. Do I continue on in math or do I actually go into marine biology? I've always had a huge appreciation for marine biology and things like that. Last year, I had a great opportunity to go to Vancouver in the summer months. I went to Thailand in the fall months. Both places, I spent a whole day at their aquariums looking into, you know, what is going on with their reefs? What can we do to benefit our oceans? 
this is one of the things, this is one of the only uh, kind of issues I get behind. And this album meant a lot to me. For Animal Collective, a band I've respected for over a decade, to be someone who is going to come forward and put an album out that supports the same thing I'm trying to support, that's just awesome. And so I'm glad we're doing it in 2018, the year of the reef. I've given it time to think about it, how it relates to the reef, all that stuff. Did you expect something like that, Zach? At this point, nothing would surprise me, any sort of animal <laughs> collective discussion. After 40 episodes of Cinemodities, Zach is just like, I have. N- Rob's going to say some crazy shit to me this week. It's might as well be throwing darts at a board to see what he's going to say. <laughs> so I guess I have to ask, Zach, uh, how do you feel about marine biology? I'm not asking you if you get behind, you know, save the reef, save the oceans. But does underwater life and the things that we get to see in this visual album, does that intrigue you? Specifically regarding to Tangerine Reef or as a whole? Uh, as a whole. Like just marine biology. Is that something you've ever been interested in? Uh, what, what exists under our oceans? Uh, does the Titanic wreck count as under the ocean? I'm glad you said that. So that... I think That's that the is, next visual album. Yeah, yeah. We know we have all this great marine life, things that naturally live under the ocean, and then we have how humans impact that. And I think the Titanic is one of the greatest examples of that. So I, I think that's a yes. I would accept that answer. All right. Good. <laughs> okay. So that was a lot of history. I appreciate this album. I love it so much. I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, you know, go to your local aquarium, see what you can do to help out animal life that lives under the ocean. It's, you know, I feel like there's two types of people in this world. You can look up at the stars, you can look down at your feet. And the people looking up at the stars and space exploration, that's great. But when you look at your feet and you see how deep it goes, there's just as much to be learned down there. And I, I really, really love, you know, seeing all these different types of marine lives that form. And that is why I'm saying right here, Zach... I love this visual album. Since it came out in August until our recording of this, you know, two plus months later, I have must have watched this at least 30 times. I have seen this visual album so many times. I've listened to it even more, just the audio. This is everything I want from Animal Collective. So let me start there, Zach. I think you might have known it. I think our audience might have known it. I have a very diverse taste in music. But when you ask me what is my favorite type of music, it is pure noise. And that's what this is. I love this album. I love every way it sounds. I love the cacophony of it. I love how it relates to the chaos and the, and the fluidity that exists in the water. Everything about this is perfect to me. And that's why I'm excited to talk about it today. Before... We get into my nitty-gritty breakdown. I'm thinking of something like I did with Endless, telling you why this is about the reefs, why it matters. I have to ask, Zach, what did you think about Tangerine Reef? <laughs> well, I think, I think I've already distilled my opinion, but... No, as, as we all know, this is clearly a Rob's choice. When we get to the uh, S-Club visual album series, then I'll get my true revenge on Rob. <laughs> But no, as I was watching this, I think it's the most beautiful screensaver I've ever seen. And I don't I mean it. that to be derogatory. It is beautiful. I'm going to talk about that when we get into some tracks, but this whole movie is beautiful. Yeah, like I said, I think definitely a lot of creativity and imagination went into this. Mm-hmm. 
the music you can it's not like obnoxious music this is not um rob zombie i know we, and this is this is also the uh we dunk on rob zombie podcast <laughs> but it's not it's not like unbearable it's not it's like okay like this is nice cute little background music like oh. i imagine i like to imagine that if rob was like the interior decorator for like a dentist office rob would go out buy them like a 50 inch like flat screen tv 4k and this would be on all the time instead of like an aquarium or like CNN or like the Hallmark channel. This is what, like if Rob was an interior designer, this is what he'd be putting in people's houses. Like, like people are like, Oh, we'd love to have an aquarium here. No, no, no. Like if Rob was like in charge of like all your major like aquariums, in the country just be giant flat screen TVs with this on 24 <laughs> seven. He wouldn't even let them turn like it off that. at night when the aquarium is closed. That's how much he loves this. I like that. I like that a lot. But right no, on. I can, But I think no. I, I I can appreciate the artistic value here. Unfortunately, um, you're trying to kind of explain gospel to an ant. I think that's mm. a little bit how you, the the kindest analogy I can conjure up for this. Sure, I'm I'm actually really uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. I would say about how you described it. You said that you know none of this music was kind of you know abrasive. I don't think you used that word, but maybe paraphrasing. You know, you you thought it's of it as not kind of, Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? My eloquent I, way. I honestly thought that you were going to come at me and be like, Rob, what is this? This is noise. This is bothering me. I'm glad you don't see it that way. Well, don't be wrong. It, it, it's noise, but it's not like I can. I think the correct term is it's not abrasive. It's it's not yeah. offensive. It is. It's it's noise, but it, it's at least you can feel there's something behind it. It's not right arbitrary. That's that. I think honestly, Zach, that's the best compliment. You could give music like this, because I think you know. It, it, I, I honestly, like I said, expect you to come out here and be like, "I got this is crazy." Like I'm just hearing blaring sounds for six minutes straight and stuff like that. So no, I appreciate. It. I'm glad you. I'm glad you uh, in, enjoyed it in in your own way. <laughs> I, I I clearly know this is not meant for me. It's not designed for me. I'm not the the core audience for this. But no, but it's not the end of the world. Will I ever watch it again? Or, or listen to it no the mm-hmm. pretty visual the visuals are cool i like them sure so i have to ask rob so they they created the visuals themselves right they, did they work with so this is a collaboration or was this something done entirely by them so this so this like i was saying before this is a collaboration between animal collective for the music and, okay. and the group choral morphologic for the visuals but they worked very closely in every step of the way. You know, it wasn't like Animal Collective did the music and then sent it to Choral Morphologic for visuals. They were working on every track individually together to find music and visuals that matched up um, a- appropriately. All right, but it was, so a, it was a collaboration, yes. So this wasn't like somebody from, like, in Animal Collective went off and said, like, okay, I'm going to start working on this. And just and okay, so okay. Yeah, this was this was literally the two of these two groups of people, Animal Collective and Coral of Morphologic, just you know happened to meet each other at one of the screenings of Oddsack. Of course, Animal Collective was there because Oddsack was their visual album, and Coral Morphologic was there. The two people that exist in that group for whatever reason to see it, and they just struck a chord. And you know, eight years later, we have this. Cool beans. Yeah, yeah. Fucking love this shit, man. <laughs> so, um, if there's nothing else you have to say, Zach, I'm sure you're going to have some questions as we get into some of the nitty gritty. Um, but I have just a few quick facts, and then let's get into some actual track breakdown because that's what I'm looking for right here. So, biggest fact 
I think everybody who knows Animal Collective, everybody who's a fan of Animal Collective, they need to know this. This is officially Animal Collective's 11th album. You can actually find the music for Tangerine Reef on Spotify without the visuals. This is unlike Oddsack. You cannot get Oddsack on Spotify. You can maybe find someone on, a, on Reddit who's you know separated the audio. Otherwise, they want you to watch it as a visual album. This is very different. They've separated it. That's a very important thing to notice. But probably the most important thing to note, out of 11 albums, this is the only Animal Collective album without Panda Bear involved in it. Mr. Noah Lennox, his real name. Panda Bear, I think as I described in the, in the Odd Sack episode, he is the melodic quarter of Animal Collective. He is the one who adds the melody, the smoothness, the things that sound absolutely beautiful. Like I said, he's the one who wrote Screens. Screens is the song, if Zach remembers, that sounded like the Beach Boys and the Beatles from Odd Sack. Oh, okay. He is absent on this album. From my research, according to a Rolling Stones interview, the rest of Animal Collective, the other three members, they attribute his absence to distance, as Noah Lennox lives in Portugal these days, all the rest of them live in the United States. But every single Animal Collective album has always had Panda Bear and Avi Tear. Even the first three, it was just those two. And this is the first ever to not have Panda Bear. And you can tell. If you are an Animal Collective fan and you listen to this and you know all their other albums, oh boy, is it noticeable that there's no Panda Bear. There's no one to rein in AV tears like, hey, I thought of maybe eight words that have nothing to do with, nothing to do with each other and they don't rhyme, but I'm going to put them all in one line. And there's no one to stop them. It's great. I love it. I love AV tears solo stuff and I love that he was able to kind of lead this album a little bit more. Like I said, I think that's the most important thing that people should know, is that when they hear this, they are hearing a different animal collective than has ever existed. That's pretty cool, right, Zach? So they're breaking new ground. Play it. Play the sound for Animal Collective. <laughs> Maybe they'll sample us in one of their songs, A Goat Scream. <laughs> we'll have to tweet that, tweet that to them. Oh, I'll tweet them every day. You know, it, it's it's like the opposite of Jodorowsky. I will never be mean to them. <laughs> okay, Zach, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we jump into some of these tracks, some of these visuals, some of these lyrics? Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll delve through these one by one. Or excuse me, Rob will delve through these one by <laughs> one with me chiming in on occasion. Yes, okay. So I have a very nice, just like I had for Odsack, I have a breakdown of the track list. I have a breakdown of what occurs during that, uh, that track, what visuals we see. I also have some of the lyrics to point out of the songs we see. And I also looked up the types of choral that we see in each scene. Oh, Zach, isn't this exciting? <laughs> this is now the Aquarium Podcast. This is. So... Here's the thing. You're going to hear me say two, sorry, three phrases a lot in this episode. The first one is tendrils. <laughs> I would say most of what we see in this visual album are tendrils. 
So tentacle-like things, but much shorter. I'm going to say that a lot. I think that's the only way to describe a lot of what we see. So tendrils. The other two phrases I'm going to use quite a bit is soft coral and hard coral. So, of course, every type of coral has its own Latin name, you know, genus, species, kingdom, phylus, whatever. Um, but I did not want to write all that down and have to pronounce it. I just listed things as kind of their most generic name. So you're going to hear soft coral versus hard coral a lot. Well, what's the difference? Hard coral feels like bone. It's actually a type of calcium that grows under the water, and it builds up reefs. This is strong, strong coral. Soft coral is not as hard. It actually has a fleshy exterior. We see both types in this visual album, and I'll point them out to Zach and to our audience as we go through. But just to be on this, the right page, soft coral, hard coral, two different things. You with me, Zach? If you have marine biology on your Cinemodis bingo card, please step up. You can now collect your prize. <laughs> it is, it's not the free space. It's definitely not the free space. This was like a weird corner, most likely. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. The first song, the lead single from Tangerine Reef. It's called Hair Cutter. In this track, we have one of the most beautiful scenes I think we get in the entire visual album of tiny green tendrils that have like little star-shaped flowers on the top of them. I, I think this has to stand out to anybody because it's the first thing you see for the whole visual album. Right, Zach? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, we get to see some cool visuals of many of these populating the screen, individual ones populating the screen. This is an example of soft coral. This does not build up reefs. This just looks like, you know, little dandelions almost under the water. And I love that. That's one of the things that makes me interested about marine biology and, and coral reefs is that, you know, we have these plants above ground and they basically exist under the water just as well. So the only thing I want to say about this, this track is the lyrics. There's a lot of analysis that you can find online about the lyrics for Haircutter, ever since it was the original lead single from Tangerine Reef before anybody got to see the visuals. A lot of people attribute the meaning of this song to be Avitaire singing about uh, a kind of enthrallment or a kind of interest in his hairstylist. The woman that, or maybe not the woman, the person that cuts his hair Kind of, you know, they only see each other once every few months, maybe once a month, and they have a kind of tenuous relationship. There's a lot of people writing about this on Reddit and things like that and Genius.com, which I'll mention later on. I see this more as being sung from the perspective of the coral reefs. And this is the motif that I'm going to frame this entire album in. Very much like I said, the Frank Ocean Endless Visual Album had a, an entire theme to it. I think this does as well. It's about the reefs. I think all of these songs come from the perspective of the coral reef. And I see this first song as the call to action, as the damaging thing. These coral reefs exist, and humans are cutting them down. And the humans aren't there constantly, but they come around whenever they need to and just take off that coral reef. So this first song, Haircutter, is kind of setting our stage to... To, to show that this is from the perspective of the underwater creatures, and this is something that is negative towards them. Does that make some sense, Zach? Of course it does. You say oh, this like I'm completely disengaged by it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Zach's playing Friday the 13th right now. <laughs> no, so that's the first track. I'm going to keep this brisk, Zach, if I didn't say that already. That's Hair Cutter. 
we have some soft coral, we have some great shots of beautiful greens, little tendrils, and I think it's looking our first taste in the perspective of songs sung from the coral. Anything you have to say about hair cutter? I also like don't I think Zach knows the title. The titles. Of no. The title, so. <laughs> it's worth noting, folks. Zach did try to do research on this, and there isn't a lot of criticism about this, even on YouTube. I, I tried doing some research, and I see like some guy that looks like he's sixteen has like thirty views on YouTube. He's like, "This is why I like Animal Collective's Tangerine Reef." Uh, clearly this person does not know what they're talking about it's you're like, making fun of my other videos zach <laughs> rob side channel that i don't know about where he puts on a goofy wig and acne makeup <laughs> okay okay yeah so that's actually a good point i have not seen a lot of analysis on this either which is part of the reason why i'm excited to provide it because i know a lot of my personal friends in the music industry they're like you know rob you're the only person that is going to analyze this when am i going to get to hear your thoughts on it so so that's what we're doing. <laughs> Notice okay. they said Rob, not Robin Friend. No, for the for the Animal Collective analysis, uh, they they haven't picked up the name Zach yet, unfortunately. But that's what that's what we're doing here. I'm getting involved, right? <laughs> He's trying, folks. He is wholeheartedly trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay, the next track we have is Buffalo Tomato. I don't have much to say about this. In the first track, we got to see soft coral. In Buffalo Tomato, we get to see hard coral. It's beautiful. It's red. It's green. has tiny flecks of gold in it. It's awesome. But I think that this track gets overshadowed by just the immensity of the next track. The third track on the album, Inspector Gadget. This the visuals that we get to hear during that we get to see during Inspector Gadget. That's actually the name of the song, Zach. We see a sea cucumber. That's what this is. So if you have not seen Tangerine Reef, this is very difficult to explain. It's sexual. It's highly sexual. So imagine you're a sea cucumber. You live in at the depths of the ocean. Light does not get down there. You're a plant, though. You can't photosynthesize. Light cannot turn into food. What do you do? You have just tendrils all around the top of your body that float around in the water and collect plankton and zoocytes and whatever other tiny materials exist down there. And then those tendrils move into a mouth. I'm doing air quotes. It's the sea cucumber's butthole if I've ever seen it. Full on, this thing expands, the tendril goes in, the hole closes and it sucks off the food from these tendrils. We have a full four-minute track just seeing a sea, a sea cucumber do this. Stick its tendrils in its mouth butthole and pull it out. Zach, this had to stand out to you. I don't know about you folks, but I'm certainly turned on. I, it's, it's highly sexual. I don't think this has a rating, but if it did get a rating, it would be triple X because this is so sexual. We get incredibly close-up shots of deep sea cucumbers sucking on itself. It's it's amazing. It is so cool to see. I have to, like I said, Zach, this had to stand out to you. What did you think about this? About seeing something like this in action? Well, I've seen a bunch of things like that. I think it's like like the sea cucumbers. I remember there's an infamous like jackass bit where they're underwater and they're using it to uh, um, 
would be the correct term. Make it look like they're uh, uh, having sexual release. Certain yes. things like th this thing is not a new idea. We've known that things like this, you know, when you don't have light, how do you eat? You know, this is this is just a common thing that we've learned, say, in uh, middle school about underwater things. But I've never seen it this close up, this detailed, this focused on. Right. I'm pretty sure this is if Rob is all on top of the fact of being the interior designer for the dentist office and the aquarium. If Rob was in charge of the National Geographic channel for about an afternoon, <laughs> I'm sure we get two or three of these series or or concept like this uh, ordered for a series. We're doing sea cucumber week. <laughs> oh, boy. See, there you go, folks. No more shark week. That's so passe. That's so 2000. Sea cucumber week. <laughs> sea cucumber week. Yes. So I love this. So everything I said before about the photosynthesis and that it, it has to catch stuff, I, I did not know that. When I first sat down and watched this visual album – this blew my mind. I was I was sitting at like 1 a.m., complete darkness, watching this for the first time to get the full experience, and I see this fucking underwater creature sucking itself off, and I started losing my mind. I was like, what is this? And I did the research, and that's, that's why I love marine biology. It makes sense. They don't get sunlight. They got to catch shit in their tendrils and then put it into their mouth. Slash butthole, if they even have a butthole. Who knows? It's great. Right, Zach? <laughs> who knows, indeed. Who knows? Rob indeed. knows. Rob, Rob shouldn't be saying who knows this episode. That's one phrase. He's it's off limits. I didn't. I didn't do my full research into the sea cucumber, but I love that song, Inspector Gadget, and we get to see that the whole time. Remember that, Zach. That's coming into play for the snack ideas later on. <laughs> oh my god! So, so um, the next track we have is called Buxom. B-U-X-O-M. Yes, buxom. If you define the word buxom, it means big titties. Hey, Kat. I had sex with Katie too, man. <laughs> Katie has some big ass titties. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more general than that. But that's how I know it. Um, there's actually, I want to point out the one thing about this song. We have, it's great visuals. I think there's a lot of blue and violets that really blend together that look like velvet almost. Great tendrils, once again, like I said. But really the thing I want to mention about the song Buxom, while it did not stand out to me very much on this album, as a, you know, one of my favorite songs maybe, it stood out to somebody. You can actually find a really, really detailed and, and appropriate, I would say, analysis of this song on the website Genius, which does a lot of music lyrics. Someone basically typed up a full analysis of the meaning of this song, of the meaning of specific lyrics. Um, and it was really cool when I read that to see that he is also, he or she, I guess I don't know, this uh, internet user, they are seeing this as the same way I was, as being written from the perspective of the choral. And their understanding of the song Buxom is that it's singing about things moving slowly from the perspective of the choral and being sad that that loved ones are leaving. So we haven't mentioned it so far. Coral is a living thing. They are plants, air quotes, for all intents and purposes that live under the water. They live for hundreds of years. The lifespan of coral is incredibly, significantly longer than anything else on Earth. And, and that makes so much sense to me where time moves slowly for the coral and they have to see all these loved ones die away. The seaweed, the things that live above ground, the trees, the seals, whatever, the, the, the fish. 
that is such a great idea that once again ties into that idea of everything coming from the coral. So I have to give shout out to that user. I'm pretty sure that user's name on Genius is just the letter G like 60 times. <laughs> it is not a, a very creative username, but uh, if you go to Genius and you look up the song, he's the only one that's written an analysis. That's the song Buxom. What we get to see in the actual visual album um, is a sea anemone and two types of sea mats, M-A-T-S. A sea mat is another type of uh, coral, a very flat, looks like a mat. You with me, Zach, still? You still alive? If only that person has much insight into creating usernames as they did into analyzing Animal Collective <laughs> songs. Oh, yes. Okay, Zach's still alive. Good. I'm glad. I have to... I think that's the one thing, you know, I might have to call 911 in the middle of this because Zach, like, you know, drank too much of the battery acid or something. <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's Buxom. The next track we have is Choral Understanding. And this, this is where the album picks up. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> Get it you on the same page that I told you understand. It is one of the most raucous songs on the album. And honestly, it's the one that confused me the most. When you see this in the visual album, this is where the screen gets very, very red, the entire screen, and it looks like we're watching electricity pump through veins. It's really, really strange. And I've never, in all the times I watched this, I was really confused as, as to exactly what I was seeing. Because as the song goes on and the camera pans out, it looks like an eye or a Venus flytrap. It's really, really strange. According to the credits, this is an incredibly close-up zoom of a clam. That's what we're seeing. We, Coral Morphologic has put some type of filter on their camera, like, like a heat sensor or an infrared filter, that can see the blood flow in a clam, and that's what we're viewing in this. That is so damn cool to me! I've never seen that before, and the fact that it, it confused me makes it even better to know that it's like, okay, there's something I've never seen before that really looks like something I've never seen before. Coral Understanding. It's just a clam. The other thing I have to mention is this probably has my this song probably has my favorite line on the album. It's very difficult to hear, as are all of Abi Tear's lyrics. There's a voice effect over a lot of them, but in this song, there is the line: "There's no medicine if you open that." I really, really like that line. There's no medicine if you open that. Did you pick up on this clam? Did you pick up on this line, Zach? How are, we're, we're maybe like, you know, almost halfway through the visual album at this point. So this is when you're really getting into it, right? I, I <laughs> oh man, folks. If only I was able to uh, decipher this and appreciate the way he could. I love asking Zach these questions. <laughs> If the meaning of life was somehow contained in this visual album, I unfortunately would be out of the club. When I feel like when Zach is going to edit this, every time I ask him a question, you're going to get to hear the, hear the DuckTales theme song. 
thumbs. Jo- jokes on him, Zach. Editing this episode. <laughs> J- jokes on him. All right. So I love, I love that line. I love that clam visuals, choral understanding. Like I said, this is where the album picks up. We go right into an even more raucous track. It is called "Air Pipe to a New Transition." This is where we technically get to see it. What I thought was an air pipe. It's like a little mini underwater volcano. And it looks like there's some, you know, gases or something coming out of it. Of course, it's very sexual. Um, This is one of my favorite songs on the album as well. It turns out this is another type of sea anemone. Apparently sea anemones are like the little mini volcanoes of of the coral reefs. That, you know, they kind of absorb gases or nutrients through the the coral through their roots i guess you might call them and they expel them through the top i never knew that and it looks like these gases which is like an air pipe neat so the next song it's called jake and me i don't know why it's called jake and me i can only hope that this is a reference to adventure time but once again i see this as a song written from the perspective of the coral uh it talks a lot about will Will people remember Jake and me? And I think this is basically, you know, trying to humanize the coral to, to say something like, as we get de- depleted or diminished, you know, will people remember these specific bits of coral? Because that's an interesting idea. We're trying to talk about saving the coral reefs, but that's a, that's a very wide grasping statement. You know, it's like you talk about the homeless. You don't talk about the specific homeless. It's the same problem. You talk about the whole reef. What about the specific parts of that reef? It's an idea of how you get at that. That's how I viewed that song. What we're seeing in that track are more soft chorals. Okay. Zach, I think, has fallen asleep completely, so I'm just going to keep ripping and tearing right here. The next track we get is Coral by Numbers. I love this name. Of course, if you're going to make a beautifully vibrant visual album about coral reefs, you're going to make one of the tracks Coral by Numbers as a play on Color by Numbers. How cool is that, Zach? Under the sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While the devoting full time, floating under the sea. Under the Sea, Coral by Numbers. Zach's, I'm getting Zach in the right mindset. I feel like by the last track, he's going to understand everything. It's going to be like an enlightenment moment. <laughs> so, Coral by Numbers, I, this is another one of my favorite songs on the album. Like I said, this is the, the part where it really picks up for me. We get to see, this absolutely baffled me. This whole song is tendrils, like coral tendrils that are completely black, except for the tip which looks like white thimbles or white earbuds almost over them. Really, really interesting stuff to see. And they just kind of, you know, float around, and they're very, very carefree, and we get to hear some very light lyrics. Once again, Zach, it's very sexual. 
Um, but this is another example of hard coral, and I was actually surprised by this. With how much this coral sways in the water, I was thinking it was going to be soft coral. But no, it's hard coral. When they bind together, when they grow together in a dense way like vines, they actually build up coral reefs. So that's, that's an interesting thing I learned about marine biology here. Hard coral is not necessarily hard. It's if it has the ability to build up a coral reef. Ah, ah Zach, I can, Zach's mind is blown right now. <laughs> At what point, I, you know I've watched this already and I know the answer. When does Sebastian the Crab show up? I think, didn't that happen already? Did it? And was <laughs> yeah, it incredibly sexual? I, I would think, oh, well, of course it was incredibly sexual, but I would think that is the, um, that was the, uh, oh, fuck, the, the coral understanding when it was really red, oh, lamb, okay. that's when I thought of Sebastian, yeah. Folks, he's, he's hearing it now, too. <laughs> this is like the new cue of the X-Files music, it's cue the Little Mermaid music. <laughs> Oh, a brand brand new world. <laughs> okay, what was that? Coral by numbers? Yeah, that was coral by numbers, Zach. Okay, hard coral. That's what I learned about. I really love the next title as well, Hip Sponge. I would say Hip Sponge is the most accessible song on the album. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up because I talked about it when we talked about Odd Sack. I said that you cannot say Odd Sack is completely inaccessible because you have the song Screens. You have the song that Zach was like, it made me think of the Beatles. If something makes you think of the Beatles or the Beach Boys, it's accessible. So I think while this album, Tangerine Reef, has no song like Screens, that's a panda bear song through and through who's missing on this album, Hip Sponge is the one that is most accessible. I would say because of the melody, because of the lyrics, all that stuff. It's the one that kind of makes the most sense. We'll get a clip in. We've had millions of clips in this already. You better believe, Zach. Clips are going in left and right this episode. But at the same time in Hip Sponge, we get to see a creature. We get to see a coral that, while I am a huge fan of marine biology, when I saw this piece of coral, I thought of one thing and one thing only. It honestly made me think that we were seeing a flaming hot Cheeto monster. Literally, this piece of coral is a giant chunk of bright orange, and all of its tendrils look like individual flaming hot Cheetos. Is this, a, is this an apt description to make you think you know what I'm talking about, Zach? Now this is the profound analysis I can get on board with. The flaming hot Cheeto monster? The flaming hot Cheeto monster. <laughs> Under the sea flaming hot Cheeto monster. It really looks like to me, it honestly looks like if you just showed this to me, maybe when I was really high or something, and I didn't know this was in the context of coral reefs or coral creatures, I would be like, you just glued a bunch of flaming hot Cheetos to like like a bag or something, and it's floating around. It looks so crazy to me. Not that all this stuff that lives under the sea look doesn't look crazy, but this just looks like flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> the same color, the same texture, the same kind of fluidity as its tendrils. Oh man, I, I loved it. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll come back to that. That's gonna come up uh, on the snacks, of course. <laughs> so of, now, Zach, when I saw this and saw Flaming Hot Cheeto Monster, I had to know what it really was 
I had to know, well, what the hell is this thing? Because that's Coral, Coral Morphologic's game. None of this is made up. This is all real video of stuff under the sea. This is a nudibranch. Have you ever heard of a nudibranch before, Zach? N-U-D-I-B-R-A-N-C-H? Can't say that half. Nudibranch is not coral, technically. It is one of the closest ancestors that we have still living today in the depths of our oceans related to dinosaurs. When you think of the dinosaurs, what's related to it underwater, of course, I'm not talking about things that live above water, that's a different story. Closest living relatives to dinosaurs are the nudibranchs and the sea robins. You ever seen a sea robin, Zach? It looks like a fucking dinosaur. It's crazy. So how about that? The flaming hot Cheeto monster is a descendant of the dinosaurs. Maybe of the Megalodon from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom 1 and 2. When You remember the beginning of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom when like, the, me- the Megalodon's attacking and the people in the helicopter are like, sucks to suck, bro, you're going to get eaten. Maybe that's the flaming hot Cheeto monster. Who knows? You get hope. <laughs> I thought that was really, really cool. Nudibranchs, that's what they look like. Flaming hot Cheeto monsters. Flaming still hot with- Cheeto monster. You're still Okay, Zach's still with Monsters, me. plural, excuse me. Yes, okay. That's Hip Sponge, the nudibranch, the flaming hot Cheeto monster. This is, I would say, probably my, my favorite visuals of the entire album because they show this creature kind of resting up against other parts of the coral reef at a certain point, and it's just amazing to see, you know, the way that they can black out a lot of the background and just keep this in the foreground is so cool to look at. All right. You knew it had to come. We had to get to the track, which is my absolute favorite song on the album. It is Choral Realization. It is the loudest and noisiest song on the album. I think it is everything I want from Animal Collective. And what makes it for me is that the visuals and the audio match up perfectly. There's something about this this pairing that I just love. I could go back and watch this chunk of Tangerine Reef on repeat forever. It, it, it's really strange. I, I don't know exactly what we're seeing. I, I do know that we're seeing types of hard coral. But I can't tell if what we're being subjected to in the visuals is an incredible zoom-in of coral or if it's actually microscopic. That's how detailed and intricate this stuff looks. Like I said, it fits together perfectly. And you know what, Zach? This fits together, visual and audio, so well that I have to mention the last time I was blown away by such a pairing. And this one might actually beat it. I don't think I've said it ever on this podcast before, but the last time I was absolutely just baffled, amazed by a pairing of sound and visuals was in Twin Peaks The Return. At the end of episode five, actually, not episode eight, which I'm sure Zach might have been thinking, at the end of episode five in the Bang Bang Bar, this is the scene where Richard Horn bribes the what's his name, Chad, the, the shitty douchebag police officer, and then he, like, molests a woman who wants to, like, bum a cigarette off of him. Do you remember this scene, Zach? 
and smoking babies. <laughs> Makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh when I fuck you, bitch! Yes, that is, uh, yes, the guy who looks like evil Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know his name in real life, I know him as Richard Horn from, from Twin Peaks, but this scene, Richard Horn is doing terrible, terrible things, you know, like I said, molesting a woman and causing problems in a bar, but at the same time, in this bar, of course, in Twin Peaks The Return, the Bang Bang Bar has the musical guests, we are hearing the song Snake Eyes by the band Trouble. And I actually had known this song for years before it was in Twin Peaks. And very nicely, they recorded a new version for the Twin Peaks um, season three, or The Return. This, in 2017, this absolutely blew me away. I had not seen a pairing of visuals and audio so well done up until then for years in 2017. This is the next thing. This song choral realization with this choral, hard choral, close-up, microscopic, whatever it is, these two things are equivalent to me. What do you think about that, Zach? What quotes in The Little Mermaid do I know? <laughs> See, one of us should have bought that damn Disney electronic game. We would we could have had The Don't Little Mermaid songs play. Don't you dare bring that up to me. I, I <laughs> folks... We found a copy of, you listened to our 2002 commercials episode. Well, we no, I found they, it. The and Bob's like, you're like injecting heroin video. into my veins by making me buy this $11 game. Well, that's the whole thing. It was a video game. I don't, video games and I don't mix. Board game. Board game. Uh-uh-uh. You're not using that video game defense no, this I, time, I, buddy. That, I think that was the excuse I gave you. I said, I'm enough of an addict. I don't need this. <laughs> Folks, if you have any type of game, whether it be a video game console, a board game, heck, if you bring Tic-Tac-Toe too close to Rob, he will just freak out and start, like, sweating profusely. <laughs> yes. Uh, that Zach is... Zach is actually not lying there. <laughs> if Rob sees X and O's in the wild, he'll just start freaking out and start arranging them into like into a, a pattern of three. I don't have a problem with marijuana. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I have a problem with video games. I'm completely willing to admit that. <laughs> no, not video games. It's games. It's just games. It really kind of is just games. Yeah. I gave I gave Rob one to Jigsaw Puzzle. Didn't see him again for a month. I have not completed any of the jigsaw puzzles in my apartment. They are used to flatten posters. The boxes, not even the actual. It's <laughs> filled with the pieces. They flatten posters. <laughs> oh, right. So, Zach, yes. Uh, Little Mermaid, that's how we To answer your question, yes. Good. Good. I don't think I remember my own question at this point, but I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> I'm in the affirmative. Okay. That, like I said, my favorite song on the album, Choral Realization. We only have three left, Zach. Aren't you excited? I'm going to go through them pretty quick because this is where the album, I think, takes a little dip for me after we hit my favorite track. The next song we have is called Lunston Coral. I thought Lunston Coral might be a real thing. There's no coral named after Lunston. Lunston is actually a reference to the Swedish composer, one of the first people to invent an electronic keyboard in the 1950s, which I thought was really cool. So this is kind of a, a reference to him and his inspiration on Animal Collective. 
In this song, though, we get a really, really cool visual. It's very, very slow. Let's see if Zach picked up on it. There's a very, very close-up shot of, a, of, a, of coral, not surprisingly. It looks like it has an opening, like almost like a mouth. And from the top of the screen, a bubble, just a small bubble, slowly floats down. It lands in this coral's mouth, and the coral's mouth closes over it. Did, do you remember this at all, Zach? I did not remember this. Okay, so this might be something that I have to, like, actually go and edit out, like, the 15, 20-second chunk that this happens. I'm going to have to edit out and send to Zach, because honestly, I could see this 100% being in a David Lynch film or TV show. Like, a very slow shot of a bubble floating downward into a tiny opening on something that looks so surreal, and then it slightly closes up on it. This is episode eight material to me, as far as I'm concerned. So this, uh, that really, I I thought of David Lynch, you know, of course, with the David Lynch Foundation that we mentioned, this was the first thing I was really like, wow, I could see this as being in some, you know, David Lynch short film or something like that. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, In this, I think the thing that actually swallows up or eats this bubble, it's, uh, it's called a corallomorph. Corallomorph is a type of coral, type of hard coral, but it, it spreads open. It looks like a looks like a satellite dish almost. It's called a corallomorph. Okay, the next track we have is Polythoa, I believe is how you pronounce it. Polythoa is actually the coral we get to see in this song. It took, it took what, 12 tracks, but we actually get to see coral that is mentioned in the title of the song. Polythoa, if you know anything about it, is a very, very popular type of coral. It's one of the most prolific types of corals. It grows really, really quickly. If you've ever been to an aquarium, you have seen this before. Polythoa is such a common decorative coral that you've guaranteed seen it in an aquarium. The one thing I found really interesting, it's actually toxic. So there's a lot of, to humans, there's a lot of care that has to go into this very, very widespread decorative coral to make sure people don't get sick. And the thing, it gives you, you know, respiratory arrest. It gives you, you know, cramps and, and paralysis. It's a, it's a toxic piece of uh, underwater material. And people are just like, yeah, let me put it in my fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, we, we get to see polythoa. Like I said, there's also a sea urchin in that visual, part of the visuals in that track, which I thought was really cool. We get to see some close-up sea urchin. And now, Zach's favorite song, the last song on the album. <laughs> this is the song that I have a problem with. I love the rest of this album. This song I have somewhat of an issue because while I think I can relate it to how it relates to these songs coming from the perspective of the choral, it's so repetitive that it's almost bothersome to me. And Zach knows I love repetitive. But this song... The whole five minutes is like A.V. Tear going, the best of times, the best of times, the worst of all, it was the worst of times, it was the best of all, it was the best of... And it's the same thing over and over and over. So, 
I, I, I kind of, my interpretation is that, yes, it's the best of times because there's more people than ever that care about our oceans and care about our coral reefs. But it's the worst of all because that was instigated by, uh, more than ever, a disrespect for our oceans and reefs. So I can rationalize it that way as a tie into this album of how, you know, the coral reefs want people to protect it, but at the same time they know that's only coming from uh, the source of people hurt, harming them. But it's just so repetitive, Zach. It, oh, it blows my mind. Like, uh, A.V. Terror is a great vocalist, and Animal Collective is repetitive, but not to this extent. I just can't, just can't get behind it. That's my one complaint for this album is the end of it, is that they didn't tie it together in a nice enough way. Did it a little too repetitively. What do you think, Zach? Did I do a good job? Any questions? Did, 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 I think you did a very good job talking did you, for a did you fill in? Trade. Did you fill in your bingo card? Did you win? <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, Little Mermaid songs are not on the bingo card. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Zach's editing of this episode. And how many times I say, you know, like, oh, this part of the Enema Collective album, and then it's Under the Sea. <laughs> Okay, well, Zach, now, thank you. Thank you for letting me give that full analysis. I love this album. Uh, it's great Animal Collective. It's probably not what a lot of Animal Collective fans I know are looking for, but it gets back to their roots, their psychedelic noise, cacophonous, beautiful stuff. So now we have the questions Zach can actually be involved in, right? Sure. Yeah, I have nothing else, I guess. Do you have anything else about... Uh, tangerine reef that you want to say before we get into our, our real questions i finally thought of another little mermaid song oh i don't know if i can do this justice i'm gonna have to re-edit it <laughs> the, 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 part, part of your world part of your world okay yep yep up where they walk up where they talk okay see i, I should I should know more because literally the, the Little Mermaid world in Kingdom Hearts 2 is just playing through the music of Little Mermaid. I should know more of these songs. Be all day in the sun. <laughs> I'm, going very, I'm going to very crudely try to, to uh, do some karaoke in this episode. Great. I like it. I like it. This is Zach's trying to audition to be the new member of An Inspirity Complex with Ooh. Little Mermaid thing. <laughs> that's that's the new that's the new creative phase that inspiriority complex is going through the little mermaid cover song hey phase. hey so we and inspiriority complex has been talking about a cover album of the songs that meet the criteria of being an inspiriority so zach might come in and want to do a full-on disney cover mm, okay 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 i get i get to i get to sing the randy newman toy story song Oh boy! Now, now I'm excited. Yeah, I'm gonna be so blackout drunk for that. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Just like Randy Newman was. Hey, oh! <laughs> allegedly, allegedly blackout you drunk. You a friend in me. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Zach. Well, I guess he's gonna edit some great things into here. But where should we go? Do you want to do snacks, or do you want to do? Late night cinemodities first. What do you think for this bonus episode? Snacks. Okay. Before we list any snacks, I have to mention, Zach, I kind of had a realization when I was making my notes for this episode. We call these snacks. They're not really snacks anymore. I mean, 
just just bear with me, Zach. We are we are we have started to talk about food items as things that people need to come to our physical restaurant for, sit down, get berated by waiters, order these things, which they might not even get to eat, and hell, they might not even survive half the time. So these aren't really snacks, right? <laughs> well, the snack title has, is more just a segment, and it's just how we're. Um, I'm I'm glad we're you, filling I, the Cinemati's restaurant. I I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what I was thinking. And here's my here's my maybe my first pitch for our restaurant for this episode. Let's double down on the snacks idea. You know how when you go to a restaurant. And, you know, you open the menu and it's like appetizers and it's half a page. And then it's like salads and it's half a page. And then you got entrees, you got beverages all in different sections, you know? What if for ours, it's all one section and it's just snacks? Like, we don't separate this shit at all. We just say this is the snacks and the rest of the menu is just the food and the description of them. What do you think? So it's just it's just one giant section with the, with the words it's a Cinemati's restaurant and it just says snacks. Yeah, so that we're gonna have our logo on the cover and then you open it, you open the menu and it says snacks and then it's just pages and pages of things to order. No, like there's drinks mixed in there, the wall of caviar is mixed in there, the appetizers, the entrees, the the things that aren't food related are mixed in there. So I say we just we just go and make the definition that whatever you order in the Cinemodities restaurant is a snack. So the name of the restaurant is Cinemodities Late Night Snacks with Rob and Zach. I like that. I like that. Late night snacks. But for any time. <laughs> or are we only open late night? Well, we'll have to figure that part out. There'll be a okay, Cinemodities somewhere that yeah, determines our, our hour. Hours. Yeah, that, that's the work in progress. Thankfully, Mark Cuban did not ask about that part of the business when he invested the $60 million. For 1%. <laughs> For 1%. <laughs> For 1%. Okay, good. So that was my first pitch. That just kind of hit me that we haven't talked about snacks forever, but we call them snacks. <laughs> so now here is my first pitch for the Tangerine Reef food item. Let's go back to the third track, Inspector Gadget, the sea cucumber one. Remember, Zach, I was talking about all these tendrils that had to catch stuff in the air, in the water, and then it pushes it into its mouth in the hole in the top? Of course. Okay. So when we go to Casper uh, Kelly, our Too Many Cooks person, and we ask him for the Rob costumes, the Zach costumes, the Jodorowsky costume, we're also going to need a few sea cucumber costumes. Because here we go, Zach. Let's say someone comes into our restaurant. They order the Tangerine Reef Sea Cucumber Meal. A waiter is going to come out, and they're going to put a costume that covers the patron's upper body. It's going to cover their arms. Their arms are going to go into it, and the arms are going to let them control, like, multiple tentacles. Like, each arm is going to be three tentacles. And at the top of this costume, there's going to be an opening that looks like the opening of the sea cucumber. No eye holes. So here's the idea. You order this meal. The waiter comes over, fits this, you know, costume on you so you can't see, but you can you can whip your tentacles around and you can push them into the top of your head near your mouth. And when they put food down, you just have to flail your arms around to try and pick some of the food up and jam it into the top of your costume so you can eat it. This is how I want to recreate 
being a sea cucumber at our restaurant, what do you think? I see this more as an activity as opposed to an eating experience. Well, I mean, it's no different from the cheddar goblin that vomited macaroni on the top of your head. This is but you're putting the food on the top of your head yourself now, and you're getting to recreate the experience of being a sea cucumber. Where else can you do that? I kind of see that. It, well, Cheddar Goblin is at least um, dep- much like the the black salt in the wall. Mm-hmm. It's at least it's a way of depositing food. This seems more like when you go to like Chuck E. Cheese and they put you like in the glass tube where all like the tickets are flying around. You have to like, yeah. grab it all as quickly as you can before like, like you have like sixty seconds or else you don't get any. I, I agree with you. It's that, but it's at your table. The <laughs> best thing about those, I don't know. That's the only problem. Is I don't know how you do this at the table. It seems like, oh, I'm sitting down for a meal, and we're not that we're overcomplicating it though. But it's the idea of it seems like we. Need, I feel like it's uh, the Cinemati's restaurant evolves. We're starting to move a little bit away from Plant Hollywood, and maybe it's more like a Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> where those actually like activities, and maybe. Um, not not to not to try to take other things we've already discussed, but like it's like we have the raw like we have the Rob and Zach characters instead of being like waiters, they're like the animatronics by the stage that like sing and dance. <laughs> and you have like in like you have um. I'm thinking the, of the Goof Troop movie now. <laughs> something like that. Oh, howdy there, folks. Lester's is proud to present the Possum Posse. Jamboree. Here it is. Just in time. Howdy, folks. Who's your favorite possum? Let's go! Go to the seat right up front. Let me introduce you to the posse. Here's Buford, Beulah, and Mordecai. Hey, Lester. Ready for yodeling? <laughs> sure am, Buford. Now gather around, my possum pals. Join the jamboree. Come hoot and howl and holler from the heart. This is pathetic. Oh, Join in, folks. It's yodeling time. Oh God! Uh, Jodorowsky's kind of like the Hamburglar of our little troop. <laughs> we don't know. Who, we don't know who the grimace is yet. We'll get there. We we haven't decided who the grimace is. I don't know if we could have anything like grimace. Donald Trump might have taken grimace <gasps> away from us forever, right? Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> We're referencing bo- other bonus episodes in our bonus episode. <laughs> But no, that's why I get the feeling that this is more of a cinematis activity. So like when you're waiting for your meal to come out, it's kind of like the ball pit of of the restaurant. Oh, okay. I could 
I see where you're going, but I, I feel like I'm kind of attached to the idea that this is the full meal. That you can't see your meal. You don't know where it is on the table. You just gotta hope your tentacles capture it and you can shove it into the top of your costume. Are we split? Are we split? No, Seth? no. I think I think this is an interesting idea, but I don't see it as tying it directly. I, I like that as an activity in the cinema of these restaurants. What, what but, is your when you say as an activity? Is it removing the food aspect of it? Because I specifically want them to be catching food on their tentacles and shoving it into the costume to recreate eating like a sea cucumber. I like that though, but I feel after a while we can't. There's only a certain amount of money in this world we can pay the fire marshal off that he doesn't shut us down. And I feel like having like hot food come out and things flailing <laughs> around why, why is going to word, get someone's attention. That's why we have the word processor of the gods, so they don't exist. <laughs> I thought that was for one meal only. Okay, yes, you're right. We need, yeah, yes. Zach and I are very. More Zach is very particular <laughs> how we use the word processor of the gods and. I think every week I'm just tempted to say that, you know, I'm the sole owner of this restaurant and the word processor of the gods. <laughs> Rob found his deus ex machina and is constantly using it. There's some weird meta thing in here where Rob found is using the word processor of the gods in the Cinematis restaurant as much as the guy is in the episode. But no, I'm willing to, I'm just saying that I think we need some activities in the Cinematis okay. restaurant. And I think this would be an a, a, ample opportunity to include it. Okay, okay. I, uh, I'm i not against that. That's something maybe we can work on as we get more activities and things like that. We'll learn how to refine them, of course. Yes. Well, that was my first snack. That was the most complicated snack. The second one I have is, of course, you can order the Flaming Hot Cheeto Monster. That, there you go. That <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking you get maybe, I'm thinking maybe it's like an appetizer or maybe not an appetizer, but a, a shared meal like it would be for the whole table. And you would order it, and it would be, it wouldn't be the coral because I don't think you can eat the flaming hot Cheeto monster. I don't think you can eat. Um, oh fuck, what were they called? Brett Nudibranx. Sorry, almost forgot. I don't think you can eat Nudibranx. I don't think however much you cook them, you can't eat them. They're just inedible because they probably kill you as a person. So here's my thing: the Nudibranch is just looks like a big chunk of whatever with. Flaming hot Cheetos sticking out as the tendril. So here's my pitch. You order this, and your table gets the the flaming hot Cheeto monster, but it's built up out of dip, and then flaming hot Cheeto, like a big chunk of dip, and then flaming hot Cheetos sticking out of it to look like the actual Nudibranch. What do you think? That I like. So, so you know, I think they sell, like, you know, Cheeto dip, like Cheeto brand dip or something, or, you know, Frito-Lay or or anything like that you could buy in a grocery store, if we could get like a cream cheese-based dip that we could build into a big chunk, you know, and it would like sit on one side, and then we just jam a bunch of flaming hot Cheetos around it to make it look like it has tendrils, that would be a really interesting dish because then you could just go up to one Cheeto and you could, you know, give a little scoop motion as you take it out of the dip and you'd have dip right on it. How cool is that? See, that's the sort of food items we need, not this activity thing. We have to. We're, we're going to start having our own subsection of the snacks items where it's going to be activity based. <laughs> I look, yeah, the ball pit idea. I like that. <laughs> what is the cinematis? I think like I, I think as time goes on, we're moving away from uh, Plant Hollywood and more toward a Chuck E. Cheese business model. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're we're working on it. We're working on it. You know, for sure. 
But yeah, so those are my two my two snack pitches, Zach. I had the uh, the flaming hot Cheeto monster, and you can act like a sea cucumber. What did you have, Zach? Well, first of all, I have a beverage. Ooh, I don't think we have a lot of those, right? No. Okay. Ocean water. Salt or not yes, salt? just straight up ocean water. Like just <laughs> someone's job at the Cinematis restaurant to go like siphon some ocean water out of the ocean <laughs> and pour it in like a giant like. Oh my god! Um, what's the most like dirty thing possible? Like, I'm just uh, thinking. I'm just thinking of right now, like a like a table of four sits down, and one person goes, "We'd like a pitcher of ocean water for the table." <laughs> exactly, that's what it is. And you can see the salt and like the seaweed chunks floating around in the pitcher. Oh no, it's disgusting! You're lucky that's only what you get in your in your pitcher of seaweed or seawater. Yeah, there's a little uh, little piece of a BP cargo ship in floating around. In there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dated joke, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a used condom in one kid's glass, yeah. mommy. A full, a full like duck covered in oil is in the bottom of one of them. <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. We need more beverages, so yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to think. But uh, if we're gonna do that, I figured we'd use some sort of like a daiquiri, but it's in the color scheme of like some of the oh. imagery we get in this. And we could even have as like a um as like a flower or an umbrella on the top of the drink, like a little coral representation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And like if you that. want to make this really unique into Rob World, you have to balance it on your head with a straw as you try to drink it around the restaurant. <laughs> but the so straw to, keeps moving. Your, so. your straw is a tentacle, is a tendril that just is really light, and you have to like align it with the. I like it. Yeah, you. That's a good. That's a good addition to that. So perfect. I, I think the motto to this to the uh, um, we got to think of the name Cinematis. What's the Chucky? E. We have plant Cinematis. What's the Chucky e. Cheese equivalent of that? <sighs> Sin e modities. There we go. Sin e modities. <laughs> the equivalent of that is. I, I, I love that the first word is sin. <laughs> <laughs> it's short for sin Edward modities. <laughs> it's like Ice T's full name is Icicle Teasdale. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure the uh, the tagline for sin e modities. Is if you're not frustrated, you haven't gotten your money's worth yet. Sin emodities, that's so funny. Oh my god, that's so simple. It's so beautiful, Zach. Sinclair Edward Modity. <laughs> no, yes, there's a way we can extend modities. I'm sure, like you know, modded modded or something, and they oh, cut geez. it down. <laughs> Oh, oh! The, I think the last minute of this conversation, the new breaking new ground sound should be should be playing. <laughs> oh dear! In emodities. Oh, that's beautiful, Zach. I love it. Oh dear. Okay, so late night status. Late night in cinemodities. I'm just gonna group them together and say yes, absolutely, a hundred percent yes. I've already used this as a late night movie. This is something that you can easily fall asleep to and not feel bad about it. Because it's beautiful and you get some, you know, interesting music. At least this is the music I can fall asleep to. Other people seeing it? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about marine biology, right? Let's show someone, you know, here, look at all these crazy visuals that actually exist in the world. That's exactly what I'm looking to show somebody late at night. And Cinemodity? Hell yes. It's Animal Collective 
showing that they care about something I care about, doing it in a beautiful way. This is everything I could have asked for. I cannot say yes harder to these two questions for this one, Zach. You're surprised, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm blown away. <laughs> what but, do you think? Uh, Cinemati, I'm leaning towards a no, because okay. I think you take the music out, and it's like, oh, look, Discovery Channel has something really cool on I think it'd be really interesting to play different music over some of these visuals and see how it works. I, I don't know. I'm glad you brought this up, but I don't know if I mentioned it in our Oddsack episode. I have friends that whenever they watch Oddsack, they put music, different music over it. Do you know what music they put over it, Zach? Little Mermaid Tool. soundtrack? Tool. Oh! Yeah, yeah, for real. Yep. Uh, and oddly enough, they're still listening to it right now as we speak. <laughs> They've never stopped listening to Tool, my buddies that love it. They've never stopped. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I like that thought. So so you're saying no on Cinemonity. Yeah, prob probably not as a Cinemonity. Okay. Late night movie, I could definitely see this being one. I could see, I, I, can, if, I can imagine being in some, like, trendy nightclub in, like, New York and have seen this, like, in the background on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, late night movie, I, I agree. Cinemati, I think the visuals could be applied to too many things. Mm, that's fair. That's a that's a good point. I think that's the only detriment to it. Okay, okay. Well, uh, that's that's understandable. I think that's a that's a reasonable point to make. You know, you're just not you're not just like I'm saying no to everything because Rob hurt my eardrums <laughs> with the visual album and with this recording. <laughs> Well, Zach, there's only nope, one question. On there's only one question to answer, right? How do we end this episode? I, I have no say in this whatsoever. I'm glad that you're giving up that easily because you better believe I have a great mix. Or I've been working on already a great mix of this album reversed to play as our outro. So that's what you're going to hear. So uh, thankfully, this is not a part of November, but it exists. And we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Any other comments you got, Zach? I cannot wait to watch A Little Mermaid again. <laughs> That's next week's bonus episode. <laughs> not Still not part of November. Yeah, yeah. Well, other than that, let's see how this backwards stuff sounds, right? Each little clown here know how to jump.